Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hemp Barons. On today's show, we're fortunate to have a woman who, over the past 25 years, has had as much to do with rewriting hemp legislation as anyone in America. And thanks in a large part to her hard work and dogged persistence, we can now enjoy the benefits of this amazing plant legally. Let's join Joy's conversation with Al Warner from Hemp Basics. Hello. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you here on Hemp Barons because unlike many of the awesome companies that are moving into this new emerging hemp economy that we're developing here in the United States, you, like me, have been involved for nearly 30 years in the hemp movement and in fact in the hemp industries, starting off with cannabis creation. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with hemp and when you started? Sure. It was actually, it was, I'm rounding up on my 25th year in business. And so in 1994, I was pregnant with my daughter. As the story goes, I walked into the Fremont Hemp Company, which was, you know, we were just starting to see hemp stores. And my mind was blown. I came across Jack Herrer's book and, you know, life would just simply never be the same. It was the first time I saw all the possibilities that hemp could bring. And it was also the first time I really looked at, you know, possibly that our government wasn't exactly telling us the truth. So it was a truly an eye-opening experience. From there, I just started making all kinds of different products. We had eight different lines in the very beginning. And I want to talk about those lines, but I also can't help but say for our listeners who don't know, of course, you and I, and of course, we're very good friends and have done so much yeah. work on the front lines together. Oh my God, talk about my sister in the battle with the Washington State Legislature um, and on a federal level as well. But when we talk about Jack Herrer, we're talking about the book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, which for me too, and for most of the movement, was the catalyst. It was the disclosure after searching and scouring records, libraries, the National Archives, Jack Herrer, along with Chris Conrad, who is still doing amazing work and Jack Mayhew, rest in peace and, and their team to really mm-hmm. unleash the, the reality of what the, the United States history is and our relationship to this, this plant. And we also discovered, wow, so wait a second, there is a solution here. And, and, the, and mm-hmm. the United States government has criminalized the solution. So, so that turned you on your side there in Seattle. When we say the Fremont Hemp Company, we're talking about the neighborhood of Fremont in the yeah. city of Seattle. What were some of the yeah. things that you started making back then? sister what did cannabis creations oh my do? and i love the pictures i love your boots oh. that you set up at every place yeah. you could yeah every you know i had you know i i was hand dyeing my own fabric i was buying that from um i think american hemp mercantile at the time i was hand dyeing my own mm-hmm. fabric i was hand dyeing my own yard yarn because that was when you know hemp bracelets were you know all the rage I uh, was hand dipping beeswax candles with hemp wicks. I was having a friend of mine um, paint beautiful artwork on a hemp canvas. And then I would take those and attach them to hemp pillows that I would make. Um, and then I did a little bit of clothing. And then, of course, I did the body care line. And that is actually how I moved forward with, you know, in, into today's world. That's, that's the connection to the line today. Such a segue, although two things. You also made hemp stationery. I'm enamored by and have 
so much deep respect for your journey that I studied it. You have archives and you and I have many times yeah. looked through the pages of those, of those books. And I can see those pages in my mind, even as we're talking now and know you had a line of stationery, greeting cards, you had clothing, sister, you had body care products and which is a wonderful segue up to the present. And I want to do that, but I can't miss the spot of the Bioneer Award. Can we talk to the listeners about that? Thank you. I would love to mention that. You know, so it was 1997. It was a, you know, it was the sister magazine, The High Times, Hemp Times. And it was an award that was given for merit. This was before the days of pay to play, where you gave someone $1,000 and you entered into a contest. It was given to me in 1997, the actual year that the last year that they were in business. And so it was my last chance to get the Bioneer Award. And it's given to, you know, your peers, your peers in the industry. It was voted on. And I didn't even know most of these people. So it really, really meant a lot to me. And it was given on, you know, outstanding achievement in body care was what the Bioneer Award was for me. It, it still to me means, you know, a lot. Uh, even as you describe it, and uh, obviously we're weird hemp nerds, but I've boosted all the hairs on my on my arms are standing on end, yeah. uh, knowing what that, knowing what that must have meant to you at the time, sister, when there, we were so few, I mean, to, we were, had to validate each other. The community was so small. The Hemp Industries Association, which formed in 1994, of which I'm proud and privileged to be the president of today. We had only a hundred members yeah. between 1994 and yeah. 2014, 2014. Yeah, now we have over 1700 <laughs> members. Yeah, you sure were. And so to get that award from our small community and be recognized and validated for, wow, I mean, it's not like your neighbors or your state, even the state of Washington, no, no. state in the 90s was validating this this call that we were all hearing, this purpose, this purpose-driven yeah. inspiration that we were getting. And so for you to, to get that acknowledgement, it was just wow. And then one more historical piece, although we could go on for the whole half hour just talking about the historical piece <laughs> of you, but we can't do that because it's too beautiful <laughs> of a story to tell. And we only have so much time, but can you also talk about the Vogue? And the publication, in, or one of the magazines, there was a magazine, yeah. I, I well, the beautiful. Thing, Please tell us about that. Yeah, the great thing about Vogue is that it circled back. So back in, oh gosh, I guess it was maybe 98, Vogue came to Seattle to do a piece on, they called it the Underground Glamour. And it was actually, uh, I was featured in Vogue magazine in the hard copy, along with Starbucks as an up-and-coming new company. And Jean Juarez, oh which is one of our local, you know, <gasps> so <laughs> this is like, this really dates us because, you know, this is when Starbucks was just beginning to be talked about. And so oh they literally, God. they just went, they, it was really just a picture and they, and they featured it and they did, did mention it, but it really, you know, it was a big deal. And then circling back to today about, I guess it was now two years ago, uh, a writer from Vogue did a piece, an updated piece on my company. And so now on my website, there was, there's, this was then, and now it's now. And so we've been in Vogue actually twice now, um, in <laughs> showing the evolution of, of the company. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Wow. Oh, just wow. And again, that validation to get in the middle of all of this, just incredible. So then moving forward, mm -hmm. you also, there began to be in 1998, the state of Washington actually mm -hmm. legalized medical cannabis. 
1998. That was the year that I moved to Seattle yeah. from New York, where I had yeah. had a hemp store, right? Actually, I had moved from Vermont because by then I was secretary of the Vermont Hemp Council. They passed a hemp bill in Vermont in 96. But in 98, medical cannabis passes in Seattle. And it took several years for that industry, which had very an unclear regulatory framework. There was no regulator regulating <laughs> it. And of course, as we know, the, the no. law, the governor at the time had stricken certain provisions, which made the law not make a lot of sense. So anyway, it, it took a long time for medical cannabis to take root. But eventually, there started to be dispensaries popping up on yeah. the regular streets of Seattle, and they weren't hard to get by. And you created uh, Cannabis Basics. And so, and can you just tell us what year you started Cannabis Basics? So it would actually, when I, when I reopened this, I was shut down for like three or four years. And then a friend of mine asked me to help him open a medical dispensary. This was about 2011. And so mm -hmm. uh, that's when I really started looking to the science of now marijuana. Uh, you know, I knew what hemp seed oil was and I loved it. It was, it's the found still today. It's the foundation of everything that I do at Cannabis Basics and Hemp Basics. Hemp but this seed was oil. Now the I'm just making sure that the, no, hemp, hemp seed oil, hemp correct. Hemp seed oil. Yes. yes. The true hemp okay. oil. Hemp seed oil. Yes. Moving to, he asked me to help him open a dispensary. So I started looking into the science of now cannabinoids and terpenoids and all that other stuff. And I realized that if I put, you know, everything that was beautiful in from the marijuana plant into my already award-winning hemp products that I might have something spectacular. And that's in fact what I did. And then, so when I did that, I was still calling it Cannabis Creations. We didn't have the rebranding for Cannabis Basics until a couple years later. Um, and I'm grateful that we did that. But it really has been just, um, you know, a crazy learning curve for me. And the products just get, I think they just get better and better. You know, after 24 years of formulating, you know, uh, hopefully you learn as you go along, but the medic being a part of the medical industry, the medical marijuana dispensary industry was amazing. But what happened for me was then 502 passed and I was about to lose. I did lose in one full swoop about 125 stores. I was in about 125 medical medical dispensaries with my cannabis basics now fully loaded line, hemp seed oil and and marijuana line in the dispensaries. And so when it legalized to a regular, you know, to an adult use market or you what some call recreational market there was no pathway forward for me because of the way that 502 was written. So, and then that leads us into, you know, a whole nother chapter. Of, it does, you know, and we're going to talk about, market. you better, yeah. yes, yeah. and you better believe we're going to be talking about this massive victory so, so people really understand, first of all, the work yeah. that you go through when you engage in the process, which is the system under which we live, at, no matter what we see and what we hear and what we're dealing with right now with the presidential administration that we have. We have the greatest system in the world and we engage in that process. And when you engage in that process diligently and appropriately and with credibility and tools and information, the leaders, you tell them and the people lead and the leaders follow. And they have certainly done that with you. To talk to the listeners about something very unique occurred with the United States Patent and Trademark Office around your trademark. Oh for Cannabis Basics, and that's a very important part of the story, and then Hemp Basics, which we're clearly going to get into, but could you give us a summary of the first, the historical achievement around the trademarking of Cannabis Basics? Sure. I think it was awarded, 
Well, we had used since 2013 under that brand, and then we trademarked it. You know, you file the application. But we were awarded the first ever federal trademark for a logo that has the leaf, the cannabis leaf, and the word cannabis as part of its makeup that actually protected a product with cannabis in it. So there had been trademarks before that was for educational services or associations, but not one for an actual product. And so uh, we were able to successfully get that through. Now, they awarded it to us based on our Cannabis Basics hemp line because they were not going to award it for the stuff that had the THC in it. And I was already doing two lines at this point. So we were able to get that through and it is absolutely historical and it absolutely opened the door for other um, cannabis companies to to protect their intellectual property. Super exciting stuff. With the leaf. With the leaf. So, With the so, leaf and you know, the word folks, cannabis. And the word cannabis in the body care category, essentially. And so for folks who don't understand and say, oh, no, that can't be right because it's marijuana. No, we're telling you, just make the distinction here that it was based on the line of cannabis basics that just had hemp seed oil in it. It has no CBD, no THC, nothing like that. It's a hemp body care line under the name Cannabis Basics. And so in that body care category, for the first time in the history of the United States, it was trademarked both the words Cannabis Basics and the and the logo, which include the actual cannabis leaf. And you did that, sister. And you've done a, yeah. a lot of amazing things. And we have to do a whole other show on some of the trademarks that you have gotten <laughs> and that you've had to rigorously defend. And it's another show, but that to me is oh, amazing. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Exactly. But you've also, and then we're going to get into Chaba, and I promise we'll explain to the listeners what Chaba means in a second. But can you then explain, did you also trademark the Hemp Basics? Oh, absolutely. The Hemp Basics filing, that has actually been filed. You're correct. So, and I'll just tell the quick story of why it happened. was unlike many of the CBD companies that are out there, I was using hemp-derived CBD for six years now, but I didn't really start to push it nationally. I was only using it here in Washington State. I didn't start to push it nationally until the farm bill passed, just this past, what, December, January. Mm -hmm. And so then I needed a distinction. So now my hemp line has hemp seed oil and hemp-derived CBD, and it is called Hemp Basics, and now my fully loaded line with the THC also in it and all the other cannabinoids from the marijuana plant and terpenoids and all that is cannabis basics. And that is sold only in the state of Washington. But hemp basics is yes, a, the sister uh, brand to cannabis basics. And then that is sold nationally. So yes, we have. And, and in fact, internationally, well. and, and in fact, internationally to the extent that that is a lawful pathway considering the hemp drive CBD. I mean, it's a global brand. Absolutely. Hemp basics can be sold out of the country. Yeah. So now we're going to dial back to 2012. And when okay. we say I-502 for the listeners, that was the adult use yeah. bill that legalized yeah. adult use cannabis in the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. And unlike other states, the state of Washington has an initiative process where the people actually get to put forth leg- legislative acts on the ballot if they go through the appropriate process. And in this case, the the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, um, headed by this particular initiative by the very brilliant and cannabis heroine and champion, uh, Allison Holcomb, a brilliant attorney, who wrote I-502. And so you see the writing on the wall. 
you're a smart businesswoman. Uh-huh. You've managed to get your cannabis basics into 125 medical dispensaries. That's a serious number of accounts uh, for a gal creating her topicals. And you realize, wait a second, you guys now, you're going to make me go through all this regulatory crazy rigmarole to just do my basic hemp body care when I'm really no, I'm no more dangerous or intoxicating than birth bees. Right. I'm not going to go through all, right. I'm not going to go through all this regulation and I'm not going to be a sitting duck and make you make me transform my entire business model. I've been doing this for 25 years, people. I'm not new. Yeah. So, yeah. so then now let's explain what you did, what you wrote, and we call it the Chaba Law, and Chaba is now legal thanks to these efforts, and, and I'm going to let you tell the story but so that folks okay. understand that Chaba is the acronym for Cannabis Health and Beauty Aids. It is a defined legal term and defined set of legal products in the state of Washington because of Ah Warner's chutzpah, determination, grit, and dedication <sighs> to this plant and dedication to civil liberties. Explain to us what happened. Well, one thing I did not do it by myself, you know, Carrie Boyder, Senator Jeannie Cole-Wells, I I definitely had help with Doug Hyatt, definitely had help with it. But, you know, let's start from why it had to happen. The reason why it had to happen was when Allison wrote that initiative, she wrote that no products less than 0.3% THC could be in the regulated market. And so... When you're talking about hemp, that means less than 0.3% THC on a dry weight basis. But when you're talking about a finished product, that's a different number. And so my products were naturally, organically less than 0.3% THC. That's less than 85 milligrams in a one ounce container. And so I knew that even if I wanted to, I was going to be forced to have to load them more than they needed to get into this regulated market, and then I'd be heavily regulated. And so I just thought there's got to be a better way. These should be in grocery stores. These should be in health food stores. This is ridiculous. So I was able to get a meeting with my legislative district uh, senator, uh, Jeannie Cole-Wells, Senator Jeannie Cole-Wells, who also happened to be the medical marijuana champion here in the state of Washington. I was just lucky enough to have her in my district. And I took my products to her. I showed them to her. I explained the problem. I explained how there was no pathway forward for me for 502. And she was just like, I think we can fix this, you know, legislatively. And so I went to work with Carrie Boyder with the advice of Doug Hyatt, writing some legislation that defined these products. And ultimately what it did was it defined them topicals only, less than 0.3% THC and non-intoxicating. So nothing to draw them into your bloodstream and no products that would get you high. And what we did was we defined them and we removed them. We effectively removed them out of the Washington State Controlled Substances Act. And I'm so sorry to interrupt, but a, a very important part of that was and not intended for human ingestion. Wasn't that a piece of the definition Yeah, topicals as well? only. I should have made that clear. So topicals mm-hmm. only, so not intended for human consumption. Well, not consumption by your mouth, but, you know, our skin is our largest organ, so only topicals. And so we were able to get that, and, you know, we introduced this language. We were able to get bipartisan support. We got it, uh, sister bills in both the House and Senate. It was introduced in January, and by July 1st, it had been, I mean, it was moving through. We did this huge lobbying effort. I took my son out of high school. We did a, a we delivered my top two sellers to every office in Olympia. We were even stopped by the state patrol. 
We were able, we were cleared by the state patrol. We were able to get it in everyone's office. And within six months, it was moving forward through committees, but someone smarter than me realized that if they just took our little piece of language and put it into an omnibus tax fixer bill for 502 for the legal marijuana system, that it was, that was going to be a pass. So literally from six months from introduction to an action, that bill was passed and it was legal. So that enabled me to now sell my products to the mainstream marketplace. So my, my Chava line is everywhere but the 502 regulated pot shops here in Washington state. That's the short story. I really need to drive this home that I made it, not just for her company, but for every other topical company that was using marijuana oil to, uh, to make a cannabis topical preparation as long as it's below 0.3 and it's finished product, not just ah, uh, but the whole industry. She opened up the whole industry for the state of Washington. Hmm. She did it for everybody. And they are not allowed to sell their products in the very limited medical and adult use market. They're only allowed to sell to the humongous mainstream market. I mean, it was a legislative right. and, and, and hemp revolution and cannabis revolution feat of, I think, of epic proportions. You created this defined category. Oh, sister, a product called Chaba. I just want to add one more thing to that. Please, please, the, please. I want to add one more thing to that piece is that um, legislatively, um, it was the first removal of anything cannabis out of any individual state's Controlled Substances Act. It was removed before any state's, before hemp was removed out of any state's Controlled Substances Act. The following session, <sighs> we were able to get hemp removed here. But Chaba here in Washington was removed before anything else cannabis in any other state that I know of has been removed from anybody's CSA. It's a profound piece of legislation that almost no one knows about. But more now that we're sharing it on your podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, and you will you get interviewed by national magazines all the time. I mean, this this work is tremendous, and and you know we've told the listeners so much here, but there is another another piece, and we could go on about all of your efforts because the consummate volunteer that you are, the consummate as busy as you are, if you need, you know, if the if the normal women of Washington or some other group, the Hemp yeah. Industries Association is doing some type of an event, you're the one hosting it. You're the one on her computer making the invitations for it. As busy as you are, you are a consummate, dedicated advocate and revolutionary and one of the MVPs of this entire movement. But I, I have to share with the listeners, oh, honey, you know, it's so true. And I have to share with the listeners one of the amazing feats that you and I did together, which is, and so, yeah. so the state of Washington legalizes adult use cannabis through an initiative of the people, not a legislative act, but mm -hmm. through an initiative of the people, which overwhelmingly voted for to be accessible to the people. That happens in 2012, but it takes us until 2000, March of 2016 to legalize hemp in the state of Washington, which is so counterintuitive. When they legalized medical marijuana and adult use, I should say, because we had medical for so many years, people thought, oh, there were, must be fields of hemp growing. And I had to sit there for three, four sure. years and tell people, no, there's not a single legal hemp seed growing. There might have been some hemp seeds growing mm -hmm. in Ah Warner's backyard, but there were not any <laughs> legal hemp seeds. <laughs> and I, you had your own research field and I, you, you actually have research I data. Do. I mean, it was an active civil disobedience, but you've been researching hemp forever. This is my forever. sixth year of civil disobedience. 
Exactly. So, but there was no legal hemp seeds growing. So we had to make that happen because we didn't use the initiative process. We used the state legislature to do it. So they are the ones that needed to be convinced. And to this day, oh my gosh, you and I personally funded, there was no fund. You and I have funded our entire advocacy to the tune of probably $150,000, you know, minimum in the last 30 years. But this particular one was a pretty expensive endeavor because we created, you and I, industrial hemp educates for 148 all 148 members of the Washington State Legislature, which was 147 senators and House of Representatives members, along with the governor. And those industrial hemp educates included the 995 DVD, bringing it home, hemp seed oil samples, mm-hmm. held hemp seed samples, every kind of fiber, um, lots of information, of some, you know, Dr. Bronner's hemp seed oil soap. Thank God, Dr. Bronner's in Nutiva, they donated the, the the seeds and the and the soaps but, yeah. and then we made these beautiful bags with the stickers industrial hemp educate hemp industries association and we had to buy 11 giant plastic tubs from costco you remember that sister to fill yeah, and it took 11 giant tubs from costco and we had to buy a cart and we would take three giant tubs in at a time from parking way of away from the uh, legislature and marching them in. And we've got all these pictures of us in this mountain of 11 tubs filled with these beautiful, uniform, gorgeous industrial hemp educates. And I think you and I probably, and I could care less. I'm just saying that, you know, this is the level of dedication. I think we each spent uh, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I had to, I costed, I think this was somewhere around $3,600 and all of that time stuffing those bags. Oh my God. And and then marching them one office at a time, educating one legislator at a time, methodically crossing them off our list one by one until every single state legislator in the state of Washington and the governor was educated and had actual physical samples to feel and touch and taste and see and a movie, that movie bringing it home. And and sister, we yeah. freaking legalized industrial hemp in the state of Washington. And I just can never thank you enough for being the only one wow. that I could count on to go through <laughs> that with me. And man, you were there. We did it together, sister. Thank you. Thank well, you. Well, I thank you because, you know, that was an experience that, you know, first of all, it was just, I think the more that you're involved in the process, the more you realize that you have power. So you leading me to that action really helped me to embrace my power. And it was the model that we used on getting that first hemp legislation passed. It was that model of lobbying that I, when I went to legalize Chaba. So thank you for spearheading that entire effort. We all learned together. No, Amazing. Oh, Thank you. Thank you, goddess. And to every, and to the army of mentors that taught me all of these years, you know, thank you to them. It's it's an incredible Mm -hmm. tribe of really dedicated people with strong convictions that really understand that this versatile, valuable plant. I think with hemp, I think the key to our success with those lobbying efforts, if I'm just kind of spinning, is that I think it was really important for us. The whole idea was why we spent so much time putting those together, why it was so important for me when the state police stopped my efforts to get my products in the hands of these decision makers. It is so important that hemp be tangible, that people be able to feel it, see it, taste it, 
And so that's, I think, you know, that's why those efforts were so successful. We were able to get him in the hands of the decision makers. And to think that after this, all of this information, to think that we have only told the listeners half of your story. Wow. And so we're going to save that for the next time, Miss Okay. Thank you for everything that you do, everything that you are, your consummate dedication. You are a shining example of what it means to be a United States citizen, number one, and what Aww. it means to be a valuable member of this, of this revolution. Our, the human race's relationship with the cannabis plant is undeniable. We have an endocannabinoid system that's now been discovered. It is undeniable. And you are a shining example of how to engage in the planetary healing process and in the healing of the human race and sister. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so happy to be useful. So thank you for acknowledging my work. I appreciate you. Thank you back, sister. Until next time. Thank you to your listeners. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Who are drinking it all in and doing their thing. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.